Welcome to Leveling Up, where you'll learn from leading experts in talent development and explore how leaders in some of the world's most successful businesses approach employee development, manager training, and more. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can also listen on our website at levelingup.co. Hey, everyone. Today's guest was Sierra Lacani, the chief people officer at Dashlane. She started in their New York office and moved to their Paris office during the pandemic in 2020. And before she was at Dashlane, she led the people function at Compass while it scaled from 84 to over 400 employees before its IPO. Sierra has more than two decades of experience. And in this episode, we discuss the challenges and benefits of working with a transatlantic team, having asynchronous schedules, and leading with the principle of employee choice first. You'll hear Sierra share why serving all employees' interests and preferences is worth the small loss of efficiency as an acceptable trade-off because of the employee benefits in the long run. This was a great conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Let's get into it. Hey, everybody. My name is Mary, and we are here with Sierra Lacani today. Sierra is the Chief People Officer at Dashlane, and we are going to dig into uh, Dashlane's transatlantic team that is working in this post-pandemic world, or hopefully we're getting into a post-pandemic world. Um, Sierra, thank you so much for being with me. Thanks, Mary. Hi, everyone. So you are at Dashlane. I'd love to just start off by introducing Dashlane and a little bit about you and your background. Yeah, of course. Thanks. Uh, Dashlane is what is traditionally called a password manager that helps both businesses and people um, fill out all their passwords and personal information safely, swiftly, securely online. Absolutely. Okay. And we, I'm also a Dashlane customer. Before the show, we were just talking about how you had been using Dashlane before you joined. Um, would love to, to get into that story. How did you end up at Dashlane and, and what are you doing these days? Yeah. So previously I was leading the people function um, at another scaling company that since has IPO'd, but called Compass. And I read an article about how people needed to be using password managers. And I personally, even though a recent survey says the most popular password is one, two, three, four, five, six. I thought I had like my own little recipe that was at least a little bit better than that. And this article was like, no, whoa, what are you doing? So I talked to some of the engineers that I was working with daily and I asked all of them, like, are you using a password manager? And they all looked at me with concern and said, of course, are you not using a password manager? So I realized, okay, I need to start doing this. So did a bit of Google research, selected Dashlane because it had never been hacked, unlike some of its competitors. Um, and then Dashlane had reached out to me. It was uh, maybe less than three or four months later by coincidence saying that they were looking for a head of people. Um, and I didn't even know that they were based in New York because at the time I thought that I knew all the tech companies in New York. And when I agreed after saying, Hey, I don't think I'm interested, but of course I would love to meet the CEO of the company that I'm a happy customer of. Um, I realized that it was because Dashlane was founded in France. And at the time there were fewer than a hundred people and the CEO had moved to the U S along with the series, a fundraise to be closer to the board of directors, um, to hopefully keep everything within six hours time zone working for the company and not spread it all the way between SF and Paris, which would be nine hours difference of working. Um, and we had most of our product and engineering still in France and in the U S you had finance, a bit of marketing, et cetera. Um, so it was still small at that time. And that's why I hadn't heard of them. Got it. And so you started at the company in New York. And then now today you are based in Paris um, and you have team members. Where else in the world? We are anywhere you want to live across Portugal, 
um, France or the U.S. Um, and it is pretty easy, unlike in the U.S., to move, especially as a tech employee, to uh, Portugal or France. So we've relocated a lot of people there and between those countries and vice versa. So, yeah, I personally took advantage of that. And also the, the majority of the people working for Dashlane by numbers are in Europe. Um, so for me, once the pandemic hit and I realized that my travel every six weeks that had become such a part of life for me was not happening. Um, I, my apartment was becoming overpriced in New York. Our CTO wanted to move to New York one day. So I was like, do you know what? I can move to Paris. This is a good time for me. So somehow in the middle of a pandemic was a good time for me to, to move to a new country, but yeah, no regrets. It's probably worth just pausing on that. Like moving into a new country during a pandemic was France open at the time when you were arriving? So I um, arrived funnily when France was open and it was so much more open than the U.S. And we saw all these pictures of people dining and drinking and talking on uh, the terrace. And I arrived here and literally fewer than four days later, we went into the second lockdown and nothing was open except for like pharmacies and supermarkets. So and it was like um, you, you needed permission to walk around at that point, right? Yes, we needed to fill out an attestation on our apps to walk around within circles within one kilometer. And uh, I was terrified that the police would question me and that all I would be able to say in French is, I'm very sorry, I can't speak much French. Um, But it was a good time to stay in and spend some Saturday nights with French apps and trying to uh, learn French. So still have a ways to go a year later, but I'm glad I got to spend so much time on it. Yeah, that's great. Um, Well, so given the world that we're still in and Dashlane sides, how many people are you today? We are, I think, 298 people today. So right about to hit 300 people. So um, we are, you know, a SaaS business or software as a service. So most of our headcount is in product and engineering, the people that are actually building the the products. So we don't scale in terms of people as quickly, which has also been, for me, a really nice experience because in the past, when I was working at GE, it was like this very international job and across 26 countries. And that was fun. But I have learned so much more about what it's really like to work with people in France, to work with people in Portugal from being in a smaller environment while I did that versus being in a very large environment where a lot of it is handled by people there. And where honestly, um, in my experience, I've seen that sometimes people are trying to identify what is the headquarters of this company and how do we uh, turn how we act towards what we feel their preferences are. And at Dashlane, while on paper, we have to have uh, a headquarters legally. We consider ourselves as not having a headquarters and we want each country to feel truly equal. Um, That's why our executive team is distributed across countries and not based in the same country. So it was funny when the pandemic started because a lot of my peers were saying to me, okay, how are you adapting to doing things such as exec meetings when you're on Zoom? But for us, that was a non-issue because we always had some people sitting in France and some people sitting in the US and sometimes in Portugal and we're just used to that. That dynamic is is such an interesting one because it did happen so suddenly for so many teams and it changed the way that information flowed. So I'm curious within your organization, have you had to adjust to, for example, if you have people who, some people who are in the office, some people who are, you know, in a different office, other people who are maybe working from home, um, how do you ensure that everybody is kept in the loop and that communication is flowing in the right way? Yeah, it's a really good question. And like there is for anyone who's not familiar yet, 
a ton of great open source work that GitLab, which has always been fully remote, right, has written out in detail and you can share it and leverage it. So we weren't that lucky, right? We were already used to working distributed across time zones. So we had some elements of things that we would work on asynchronously, but it was still also a lot of discussions and sometimes in person. And so those changed to Zoom. And then GitLab, you know, also is very honest about, which I think is very true. Like it is easier to be completely remote or to be completely office-based than it is to say that you'll be hybrid. Like don't underestimate the challenges of being hybrid. Um, but we found that really when we looked at and when we surveyed what our Dashlane community wants to do, like not everybody wants to do the same thing. We are leading with the principle of employee choice first. Um, so we are still making our offices available, but that means that as we started to kind of emerge from the initial period of, okay, now we're all on Zoom, it is more of a hybrid. It's hard for people to predict who will be in the office when, et cetera. Although software seems to be trying to catch up to help facilitate that and give people an easy way to do that and book desk because like most other companies, we had more office space than we needed. We sublet part of that to other small startups in the area. Um, and now when people come in, they book decks. So um, we try to you know, educate managers, have guides, speak to people about their needs, follow the best practices, um, but we are still, again, a mix of asynchronous communication, written communication, live communication. Um, so is it efficient? No, um, but it's maximizing for that employee choice factor. And overall, it, it's working, right? It's working far better than if you asked someone in February of 2020, if we did this, how will it work? Um, it's working way better than, than you would have thought. Then. I feel like if you had asked somebody a month ago, how things would work in so many companies. Like it's changing still. Uh, you know, I, we've had a lot of, com we actually had Darren Murph from GitLab on the show a few episodes ago earlier this, this year during the summer. And, and he shared around why companies need to have uh, this head of remote. And he also shared his perspective of it's either hybrid or it's at home, but there's like no in between zone. And I'm curious, like, are you seeing that because it is still what Dashling employees want, what the community needs, that it still feels like you're serving everybody. So the, the, the idea from Darren is if you are trying to be everything to everybody, you're going to end up losing employees who, you know, the remote employees will want to leave because they wanted to be remote and they wanted everybody to be remote. And it creates the second class citizen type of situation. Um, what have you done to get ahead of that? Is it even an issue at all? For us, it's not an issue, but I think, I mean, everybody is different and then different cultures and different companies are different. So I'm sure that that might be somewhat of an element, especially at GitLab where people have self-selected that they're interested, right. In, in working in a fully remote workforce. And I think from the dialogues that we've had with people who work at Dashlane, people would agree, of course, it would be easier if everybody had the same exact preference that they personally had. Um, but for the most part, people are understanding that not everybody has the same exact preferences and they would rather that we're supportive of their work preferences than to try to just choose the most popular preference and then ask everybody to adapt themselves to it. So like, yes, I absolutely acknowledge that there's added complexity, especially for managers, managing people, for people trying to collaborate. You probably do lose some extent of efficiency um, but those are trade-offs that we feel just make sense, especially because a lot of people don't know their preferences long-term. I think, for instance, if you were joining GitLab in 2019, you have 
thought about how you want to live as a remote employee. You have read maybe some of their great guidance that they've open sourced about how you should still make sure that you get out and consider coffee shops and think about your social schedule and et cetera. But what people went through over the last 18 months was very different. People didn't have a lot of choice. And while for some people, this is very much kind of now I'm back to normal life in a post-pandemic, others have family members who might need to quarantine sometimes, schools that sometimes close, right? Like there are a variety of challenges people couldn't anticipate. And what someone's preferences are today, a lot of people tell us don't necessarily represent that they know what they'll want to do in six months or in two years or that they can predict that. So for us trying to come up with an exercise of how would it really work best and then saying this is how it's going to be just doesn't feel like it serves our community in the best way. And, and we are... Um, you know, wanting to be the most efficient possible to serve our mission. We're a growth company, right? Like we've by no means made it. We're kind of striving every day, but we think meeting people's personal needs is, is part of like what's needed to do that. So we're just trying to balance all those things. Absolutely. I completely understand that. Um, moving away from the pandemic just a little bit, how are you thinking about retaining your employees and, and keeping them excited? Beyond this employee first approach, how are you thinking about the, the challenges that are coming with the dynamic and shifting workplace right now. I know it's really tough to, to find and keep great talent for every company. What's Dashlane's approach? Yeah. So I would say that, you know, kind of similar to the way we'll answer a lot of questions because of wanting to meet each individual's needs and recognizing that everyone has their own outlook, preferences, perspectives, et cetera. There is not one approach. Of course, our executive team is worried about, we hope that people you know want to stay here. We hope that um, not too many people would leave at the same time and that it would be, you know, um, difficult for other people to cope with and to still, you know, move towards our mission as a company. But we also, um, you know, if somebody truly, after us trying to understand their needs, their desires for their career going forward, try to meet those needs and help them, if after all of that, whether it's because of the pandemic and they just feel they need a change in how they spend, you know, the majority of their waking hours or something else, we're not going to go to all means to try to convince people to stay, right? There are some companies saying like, well, we'll tell people they have to stay for 12 months and then they'll get a small cash bonus at the end if they stay. It's like, well, another company that wants to hire them will just buy them out of that anyway. And also now you're like telling people like, we know you might want to not want to stay here. So we'll try to give you like a little consolation prize at the end if you do. And just for me, that personally doesn't resonate. I understand the logic behind um, why some executive teams are thinking about it, but I, I think it continues to be the fundamental, like people have a lot of choice and like we should strive to be the best place for our people when it makes sense. We believe it makes sense for them and for us that they stay in their current mission or something else within the company. Um, and let's work with them on that and have a really honest and ongoing dialogue. But if it's not what they feel is best for them, then okay. And we have actually had two members of the company who left and who later came back to the company. Having those alumni who are, you know, champions of your organization and, and feel like they're part of the community goes a long way in the future. That's really cool. You've worked in big companies and you've worked in small companies. What have you seen uh, be consistent throughout when it comes to the employee experience um, best practices, right? You've talked a lot about making sure that everybody has what they need, but also that you know, you're not bending over backward. Like how, how has what happened at GE changed compared to Dashlane? Like in from a, from a human resources perspective. 
Well, there's a lot of change and you asked for also about like, what's the same. And I, I think what's the same. And there's a lot of research such as by the Gallup institution that shows this is like the power of people feeling supported by their management right, is going to be one of the top determinants of how happy they are in their role and whether they thrive in their role. So I saw a lot of that at GE, where they invested very much in how to develop leaders, how to support leaders, how to have fair um, people practices and policies and places for people to go when they had concerns. So I would say that is consistent. Um, A lot of other things are very different. So for example, if you take like GE back in the day used to be famous for how it did its performance reviews, its um, calibrations and employee ranking, what, you know, people argue how true it was or wasn't forced curve, stack and rank and letting go of low performers. Um, And at Dashlane, we of course believe in the importance of feedback and people have what we call feedback checkpoints twice per year, which are basically 360 self-assessment, manager assessment, but we don't even assign any ratings. So there's no stacking, racking to be done. Like there are no ratings. We personally don't think that the value that that would add, because I'm not saying it's zero, um, offsets the costs that it can have for people psychologically of just feeling branded into certain categories. And we want the focus to be on the feedback that people receive and on how we can support them in how they want to grow personally and professionally and how the company will benefit from them growing personally and professionally. How And that's, that's well-received by the team. It sounds like that's a successful approach to take in terms of like how employees want to do things, you know, often it's, they want the feedback separately. They also want growth opportunities. So how are you laying and layering in the growth opportunities in terms of like your promotion cycles? Is that more ad hoc or are you doing it in a structured format? We do have two promotion cycles per year. And the way that we do this um, is that first, there is the feedback checkpoint process where everybody focuses on the feedback. And then following that, there's the compensation review and promotion review process directly following. And the, the main driver for why we have those separated is that a lot of research shows that if you speak to someone in a meeting about their status, which is how much money they make or their title, Um, they will not be able to absorb the feedback and the other details as well because their amygdala actually just starts like firing and conserving brain power where it's just like, oh, am I like doing well right now? Not well, like I have to think about my like social survival here. Um, So we focus that on the input and and the feedback so that it can be learned and have the other discussions afterwards. Uh, Why do we do it only two times per year versus continuously? I think it's also people shouldn't have to walk around every day, even if not everybody will agree with me on this. And if you're a software engineer and you heard somebody else just got promoted, like, yeah, you might think about it in the middle of the year and not on the cycle, but we don't want people to come to work every day, turn on their zoom and think like, well, I maybe be promoted today. Should I ask to be promoted today? Should I think about promotions today? Like that's really draining to do all year. Um, it, it's draining to probably think about even twice per year, but at least if it's like, this is when it happens. Um, and this is when we talk about it. This is when we think about it. Otherwise you have some people who, oh, I received an email, but if I go for this interview for this company, I will get an offer for 30% more. Yes. Lots of people receive those emails all the time. And if we actually fully talked about changing your compensation, every time you received one of those, we would be talking about your compensation so many days of the year. Right. And it's just, it's not a healthy focus for anyone. 
thanks for sharing that. It's it's always helpful for other companies to think about, you know, what are the approaches that are being taken? And of course, the the approaches run the gamut. And it's just a question of what works for your organization and, and what's going to be sustainable. Um, as we get close here on time, I'm curious, as you look back to the the early career, you know, as you're getting into HR and really starting to learn, what have been the most helpful lessons you've learned along the way that you could impart with some of our listeners here today? It's a great question. I actually have been doing HR since 2002. So I have learned thousands of things, um, mostly through making mistakes, through watching the great practices of others around me. It's hard to even pick a top learning, but I would say the one that pops to mind to share is like, um, a lot of the things that you need to do to support people and help make business decisions in the people space are just so contextual. Um, so it helps to really have people that you can bounce things off of people inside your company, um, peers, you know, at other companies without sharing anyone's, uh, confidential information with them, et cetera. And I have really enjoyed, um, being active in the community with other people who, you know, are working at other companies, but, but doing the same thing. I found that really helpful, really rewarding. And sometimes there are people who, you know, have not been doing the career since 2002. Uh, so it's fun to help them. So yeah, I would say that's the top learning that goes the furthest because it's the kind of thing it's like you can't go it alone you shouldn't and no one could possibly reach some pinnacle of knowledge where you would automatically know what to do in all these situations because all these situations are so contextual and impact people in their lives greatly and so much of what has happened over the past 18 months has put a lot of pressure on people operations and hr leaders how have you taken care of yourself, right? In terms of, or, or encouraged your community to take care of themselves, right? Like what, what have been the, the themes? Because I, I know a lot of people, you hear the term burnout a lot right now, but it really is, there's been a lot of pressure put on our people leaders. Yeah. So, I mean, burnout is something that I struggled with in the past, even uh, before the pandemic. So for me, it was this weird experience of like, oh, this, this is nothing, or what me personally, I feel like I went through at other times, but you're absolutely right that, you know, the rest of the team, um, the rest of our organization really needed a lot of support. And we were able to um, get our CEO to approve investing in a new mental health benefit. So we use spring health um, globally. And through that, um, all of our uh, members of Dashlane and any dependents of theirs over the age of 13 have access to six uh, therapeutic sessions per year. And we had a lot of people, particularly in Europe who told us like, I have never gone to therapy. I've never thought about going to therapy, but now that it's talked about so much in the company that we have this benefit, I've tried it. I feel I've really benefited. Um, and we see a really high number of people engaging either in the therapy sessions or in the, the software um, and resources that are available. And we try to also do regular education around mental health, such as on Global Mental Health Day that was in October um, and normalize that um, many people all have challenges, there are a variety of challenges and there is support for those challenges. That's great. There's the skill section part of this as well, right? Which is like a lot of this stuff was just out of our control and it's been an exhausting two years, but, but then there's the part around like setting boundaries and prioritizing our workloads and clarifying expectations. Are you providing additional training in those areas as well? 
We provide a lot of, I would say, like articles on that. And I believe in Spring Health, there are resources on that um, within the app. Um, but we haven't offered training courses. We've done some experiments, particularly over the last 18 months, about what people want to train on. And we found that a lot of people have so much um, meeting fatigue and screen time fatigue that we've found what we're doing with our managers primarily instead, while we do still offer new managers to training, is personalized coaching sessions at least once per month, where a member of the people team who's experienced in coaching will help them reflect on their challenges, the challenges of people on their team, um, any decisions that they really need to, to think through how to work on their leadership goals for themselves. And I think when you kind of meet people where they are and hear what their current challenges, the, the learning is able to stick a bit more easily than broad brush saying like, here is everything that everyone should should know because I consume a lot of that content and I really like to, and I, I share articles every Monday on a Slack channel we have called management. And I can tell like a lot of people just like don't feel like they have space to absorb that until it's like, well, I had this issue. And then I searched the Slack channel for that topic. And then I read these articles and then it was really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously I couldn't agree more because that's our business, but that coaching is so helpful. And, and when you can offer it internally as a, as a resource for people, it's, hugely impactful. Um, well, that is, those are all of my questions. Are there any, anything that we didn't cover that you wish we would have covered? I think you asked really good questions, Mary. Thank you. And like, yeah, it sounds like we're both fans of the power of, of coaching, of making sure to support people and that they have a sounding board for how to make their decisions for how to grow in their leadership and best support others. And then for me, it's just the principle of like, one size fits all, you know, increasingly doesn't work in this world, right? So how can we really truly listen to people, understand what their needs are, understand the diverse needs of the business, the increasingly diverse needs, even of our customers, if we take it outside, right? And um, obviously it's not the most efficient to customize everything, um, but listen to people and understand how you can make something work to, to meet their needs. So that's what we'll continue striving to do. Well, I, I think that Dashlane has it figured out well above a lot of other companies that were, you know, that you see out there. And so it's great to have you share that with our community. Um, Sarah, thank you so much for being with me today. I appreciate your time. Where can our listeners find you? Thanks, Mary. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. It's probably the only place I'm semi-active and yeah. yeah, feel free to reach out every anytime. Great. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on Stitcher, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Head over to levelingup.co to join our newsletter and to find past episodes. 